Today, we have pa uh, Pastor Bob Abel, the Director of Staff and Pastoral Care with Remember New. He has been an ordained pastor with the RCA for 12 years. The first five years, he was in youth ministry, and the next seven years, he was in church planting. He and his wife, Amy, have been missionaries for Remember New full-time since 2017. The best part for him is that he gets to serve the Lord with his wife, Amy. Please join me as we welcome Pastor Bob Abel. Thank you. Five years of youth ministry was all this body could handle. So then we went on to something different. But, oh, good morning. Thanks for having me here today. Thank you for the invitation. I am thrilled. We just want to share some stories this morning. And ultimately, it's, it's God's story. And, and maybe along the way, you'll just find your story in the midst of it as well. I want to share a picture of my family so that you can see them and that they're not here today, but um, on the, well, the picture with the white people, that's us. Um, myself and our son Josiah and Judah, who is watching, I told him I would give a shout out, so good morning, Judah. Hope things are well in Wisconsin. And then uh, the young woman there is, uh, her name is Nice, and she's uh, become a daughter in our hearts. She's from Thailand, just recently got married. So that's our family, and I'll share more about what we do, but I just want us to get into the Word. So I'm going to ask Chrissy Griff to come up and read the Word of God for us. And we're so thankful, I am, and remember new for Chrissy and her uh, face of remember new here at Twin Falls Reformed Church. And so if there's anything that I say today that the Lord sparks in you that you have questions for, uh, please please ask her. So I'd ask that you would rise and face the center of the room because Scripture is central to our lives, and so we stand because it is the true Word of God. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Lord of God, please have a seat. And would you pray with me? Father, we're grateful for the word that comes from you, the way you speak to us through the word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide the words today that I speak, that you would translate them in a way that is a way that you want each and every heart and mind to hear today. We're thankful so much, Lord, for life, true life, eternal life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I invite you to come on a journey with me a little bit this morning. So the first journey I want to take you on is a dirt road in a third world country. I was walking down this, this dirt road about 10 years ago when it hit me. This is a place where there's 98% Buddhist in this country. There are areas of extreme poverty, 
and I was on a trip with my older daughter, and that's what brought me to this road. And I was walking down, and it hit me. And it's one of those things that seems so obvious that you wonder, like, why didn't I think of this before? And like, do I really want to tell anybody that this hit me? Because they'll probably think, like, yeah, that's it. I mean, you finally realize that. But it hit me, like, why me? Why, why was I born here in, in the States? Why did I have an opportunity for education and for Christian blessing? Why were there churches in every neighborhood and, and sometimes on every street corner of neighborhood where I grew up? Why was I able to hear the good news of Jesus, the gospel? Why was I able to respond to that and know true freedom and be given a place in God's kingdom? What if I would have been born here in a third world country with areas of destitute poverty where I could go to my grave and never even hear the name of Jesus, eternally separated from God simply because of where I was born. I didn't choose to be born here in the States. They didn't choose to be born there. So why was I so blessed? Why so favored? Why given so much opportunity? And then what do you do with that? What do you do with that? We were on this trip, my daughter and I, and we, we were visiting a ministry that, whose focus was to end child sex slavery through prevention, through preventing children from being sold into the sex trade. And we really didn't know much about it, but when we got back, we started to look and uncover things, and the, the numbers were staggering. Like 3,300 children a day sold for the first time every 30 seconds. So maybe picture today where you're sitting and imagine there's a child sitting in your seat, maybe three years old or older, and every two and a half hours, someone comes in and takes them away and a new child comes back and sits in their seat. Sold a new child over and over and over and over and over and over and never ending. Every two hours in your seat is a new child who will be sold for the first time. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? Why were we so blessed? Why, why was I born here? Why wasn't I born there in a little wooden shack home alongside of a dirt road where the, the poverty that I was born into along with the culture made me see more as a, a commodity to be sold rather than a soul to be nurtured? Why me? And why was I so blessed? What do you do with that? I want to take you on another journey, this time to Cambodia, to the Mekong River. And it's here along the shores of the, of the Mekong River, as you can see, there are hundreds of thousands of Vietnamese refugees that live on this river in Cambodia. So maybe you can put yourself there, think of the, the heat and, and the humidity and the smell of a river that is both the sanitation system and where children swim and where you wash your clothes. And it's here in this area that we run across the story of this young girl named Nu. Maybe you recall a couple of months ago, we were able to have some people, Tim and Sarah, come from Remember New and share a bit about it on Inspire Sunday. We're entering the story of New. I'll show you a picture of her. She's the tall girl standing in, in the middle. And I want to share a little bit about her story, because this is where her story seemingly begins on this riverbank. I want to share just a little bit of the testimony she had. She said, when I was Seven years old, near my house, was a Vietnamese church. And because the school was in the church, I had to ask my grandmother to go. 
And my teacher there helped me to study Bible and every day, and then I believed in Jesus and I became a Christian. When I was 12 years old, my family had to work and had a very difficult life. And in order to provide food for my family, my grandmother had to borrow money at very high interest rates. One day when I came home from school, my grandmother told me that I, I might not go to school anymore. I saw her talking to a woman, and I knew that I might be sold. So I started to pray. I told God that I was very scared. I didn't know what they would want me to do. Three or four days later, the woman took me to the man. I was just 12 years old. He was in a hotel room, and I had to stay with him for three days. I knew I had to do everything the man wanted me to do. Before the man did anything to me, I said, please do not do this to me. I cried out to God, asking him to help me not be hurt. During those days, I could not eat. I couldn't drink. I never slept. The first night, I was crying and saying all my sins in life, including sleeping with the man. But that time, I believed that God didn't love me anymore because of my sin. I'd lost all hope. At the end of three days, the woman picked me up, took me back to my house. My life changed a lot. I was very sad. I didn't want to eat or talk to anyone. I could no longer smile. And at night, I would cry. And I would ask God, why'd you make me have this pain? Why'd you break my heart? If I didn't know you, I could understand, but I know you and I love you and I pray to you and I serve you and I do everything for you. But if this had to happen to me, maybe I'd be the last girl this happens to. She said, I quit going to school and church and, and I was afraid that I could be sold to a brothel. So I asked my grandma to let me go to hair and nail school and after asking for seven months, she finally gave permission. And after one year of school, I, and I was 14, I began to work 12-hour days with one day off each month. I know at that same time now that I was going to hair and nail school that God spoke, remember, new to my new dad's heart. And I learned that my dad had come to Cambodia six times walking up and down that riverbank looking for me. And finally, in July 2006, we met for the first time. He told me how God spoke, remember, new to his heart and how God wanted him and my new mom, Lori, to help me. God has done so many amazing things and showed me such love. And Jesus has answered my prayers by using me to prevent children from entering the sex trade. Here we see the gospel at its best. New cries out, God hears her cries and rescues her. You can see in this next picture of New on her wedding day a couple of years ago. Absolutely beautiful. And in the middle is a picture of someone looking at pictures on a phone. That's New's grandmother. That's the woman that sold New multiple times. And the picture she's looking at is New's wedding, her wedding pictures. You just see the joy in her face. And the miracle is that not only was New rescued from that situation, but New's faith in Christ and her ability through Christ to forgive her grandmother led her grandmother to Christ allowed her grandmother to be free of the bondage of shame that comes with selling a granddaughter. And it's my understanding that after that, New's grandmother started to help girls to prevent them from being in the sex trade in the very same home that New was sold out of. Look at the miracle of the grace of God and how powerful the cross is against the evil of this world. And he, he hears our cries. 
He always hears our cries. And this is a picture of New and her husband, Gabriel, and their daughter, Catalina, who is just absolutely gorgeous. Imagine the two uh, black hair, brown eyes. You know, this baby's got brown eyes the size of saucers. She's just the cutest thing in the world. The miracle of God's redemption. So it was, it was News cry that she would be the last girl that this would happen to. And that's the reason I get to stand here today. It was her cry to the Lord that brought me here today, that brought Christy and I in connection with each other last January at a mission conference. It, it's her cry that did that. And because it, it didn't start, though, with her cry. And it didn't start with that Mekong River or Carl searching. It, it, began, it began with you and me. It began when you and I cried out. To the Lord, when, when we cried out for freedom, when we cried out and said, how long, O oh Lord, will you forgive us? Will you bring us out of this pit? Will you bring us out of this shame? Will you bring me out of sin? Will you bring me into freedom? I, I relent. I give up. I want to fall myself, pour myself out on your mercy that you would have grace on me. That's where the story begins. It's God's story. In Exodus, in the book of Exodus, in chapter 3, Starting with verse 7, God is sharing with Moses about his chosen people, the people that God was going to set apart to have people see this is what it looks like to live as children of God. This is what you can become when you live in community with me. But it was after these people were in slavery for over 400 years that God went to Moses and he said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned. I've heard their cry. I've heard the cry of my people. I've come to rescue them. The Lord always hears our cries. He always hears the cry. In a world where there are those that don't seem to have a voice, that are looked over, looked past, no one sees to hear them, we hear, we hear and we see in Scripture God telling us over and over and over again, care for the widow, care for the orphan, care for the foreigner. Literally going so far as this, James says in the book of James, chapter 1, 27, it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The widows and the orphans and the foreigners. Why? Why them? Seemingly, they don't have a voice. Not in this culture, often not in our culture. Or if they do have a language, it's a different language. And they're crying out, and, and they're overlooked, and they're often abused. They're taken advantage of. They're so easily oppressed. And we see here God telling us over and over and over again, these are the people that I send you to. These are the people that I hear their cries. These are the people that I want you to hear their cries as well. This is the, the journey that God has us on. It's at the end of the Old Testament where these chosen people, God's chosen people in the nation of Israel, they have been the biggest and the best beacon on a hill that the whole world was supposed to see. They were the greatest nation under God, but after going their own way, they had fallen short. They'd been taken into captivity. They were slaves again. And they sat in this nation that wasn't theirs, in the nation of Babylon. And it says in Psalm 137, 1, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion, when we remembered home, when we remembered living in the presence of God, we sat and wept. They cried out again for freedom. They cried out, and the Lord heard their cries. But this time, he came himself in the person of Jesus. 
because he heard their cries. He always hears the cries. And Jesus' first sermon, which we've heard read before, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He said, I've come to preach the good news to you, to set the slaves free, because the Lord always hears the cries of those that are in bondage. Always hears our cries. And he heard news cry. And how powerful was that? It was so powerful that it was heard halfway around the world, decade later, by a middle-aged pastor in Wisconsin. It's a powerful cry, and the Lord uses those cries to raise up people. We get to be the body of Christ. We are. We, don't, we get to be. God gives us the ability to be the body of Christ, and we're not just saved from something. We're saved to something. We're saved to be Christ. We're the ones that were, were born here in this country. Us, we're born with freedom, and we're born with economic blessing, and we're born with education, and we're born with this Christian good news. And as a body of Christ, we have that so that we have everything. God has given us everything that we need as individuals, as a church body here, as a church in the world, everything that we need to take this good news of freedom halfway around the block or halfway around the world. Everything that we have is just enough for the mission that God has sent us on, just enough to hear the cries that God hears and to send us forth to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's us. We get to do that as the body of Christ. New story doesn't end there. It gets even better. So we start this organization called Remember New. And in 12 years, Remember New has grown. You'll see Remember New has grown from one home in Cambodia to over 100 homes in 16 different countries. And we'll show you some of the statistics there while I explain that. In normal, I guess average, it takes 10 years to start a children's home overseas from conception to support raising to government approval to buying land, building the home, finding qualified house parents, 10 years for about 30 children. In just over 10 years with Remember New, God has shown so much favor, and we have over 100 homes in 16 countries with over 2,200 children right now that have been through and have been prevented from being sold, that horrific thing that, that New went through. In, in these countries, too, for example, Thailand, where we live for a short time, only about 1% of the population are Christian. And so in these homes, we offer, and I'll show you, we offer uh, children to come in who are at risk and to offer a scholarship to them so that they can come and live in our home and we take care of their physical, emotional, spiritual, and educational needs. But one thing that we don't do is overtly evangelize to them. And what I mean by that is to tell them, you should become a Christian. They live in a very submissive culture. They also live in a culture where they are dependent. They know their life and where their life is coming from, that we're giving them life. And so if we were to say, you should become a Christian, okay, I'm a Christian. Not a heart change. So we simply try the best we can to love these kids with the agape love of Christ, to provide parents, not staff, to have older brothers and older sisters who are part of that community and they see the love of God and they see how lives are transformed. They see how God hears the cries of his people and how lives are changed and they ask, I want this. I want to be baptized. I want to give my life to Christ. And in a nation like Thailand where there's only 1% 
Christian, after 100 years of missionaries, in our homes, the children, about 90% of them come to know the Lord and give their faith in Christ. So that's not only 2,200 children free here, they're free for eternity as well. You saw the picture of the kids worshiping. Let's put that up there again. They see love in action. And their worship, it's loud. So if you ever get a chance, if you're ever there, there might be a chance to go. Um, man, I tell you, be ready. They are loud, loud, loud because they know the one who heard their cry and has set them free. But they're even, uh, even that, even that was too small. You know, the cry that, that New put out there, the cry that she would be the last. See, God set that in motion so that other children could be free and not have to go through that. But this whole idea was a cry for freedom in this world. But the Lord said, no, 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 I am going to bring eternal freedom. I've heard your cry for eternal freedom. And so someday, we're talking here today, we may never uh, be a part, you may never be a part of Remember New or sponsoring a child or anything again, but someday in heaven, I don't know if all this works, but I, I wonder if someday a child will come up. You know, remember that time when that guy showed up from Twin Falls? You know, he had the Wisconsin accent and stuff, and he talked. It's like, I was one of those kids. You know, I was one of those kids. That's the eternal freedom that God brings when he hears our cries. So our role, I'll share with you a little bit of that. Probably the easiest way is to say that we are, we're the senior pastor for the organization. We provide spiritual care for our missionaries around the world. We help people discern their gifts and come on board. We help uh, identify vocational training for the, the kids. We help identify new missionaries to come on staff. So a number of different things. And we're just so blessed that God has provided the, the, the experiences and the opportunity to do that. And we wonder maybe God is inviting you in to join us in that. Supporting us, uh, supporting other places and areas in the ministry. I'm going to show you this slide of this river flooding. Now, we picture that, and when that happens, there's a lot of people at work. There's people that are holding the sandbags, and there are people that are shoveling the sand into them and tying them up, and they begin to hand those bags down and down and down the line, and then finally one person's putting the sandbag on the riverbank. Now, the, the mission of everyone in line is not to serve the person putting the sandbag on the riverbank. The mission of everyone in line is to stop the river from flooding. And that's the way it is with Remember New. We want to invite you to get in line, not to just support us, but to be in line and support through us or through other ways so that we can all stop the river from flooding. We may be in different spots in line, but we're all in the line with the same mission. Why? Because we have heard the cry. We know that people are crying out for salvation, for freedom in this world and freedom for eternity. And we're so thankful to be able to share this tough news, but so grateful to be able to bring it back and to follow it up with, with the good news. I want to have news shares one of the final chapters in her story about how God has worked in her and through her and hopefully using her to hear the cries of so many. Let's watch this video.
even though Cambodia is a relatively small country in the world scheme of things, it's been listed as one of the five worst for child sex trafficking. Walking the streets in Cambodia, you can almost feel a physical oppression. 17 years ago, not far from here, a girl named New was sold into the sex trade by a family member. Out of her story started the nonprofit Remember New with the mission of ending child sex slavery through prevention. She affirmed to me that she thought she was ready to face what had happened to her. So we hopped on a plane so I could be there with her to help her process what she had been through. I think about going back there. I just feel scared and worried. Like I don't know how I feel because I used to doesn't like the hotel smell at all. So I don't know like if I go back to the hotel, that hotel would make the smell the same. Like I'm, so I don't know. I'm I'm nervous. It's a lot of bad memory to remember right now, but I want to do this to help all the children so they don't have to go through this. I come here for three nights. When I go up to the room, and then the lady would talk to the guy, and then she about to leave. I, I run to her, and then I'm like, I, can I go home with you? And she said no. And then they closed the door and I was so scared. Out of love for New, literally in 13 years, I've never asked her a question about her story. I've let her tell me as she decided to tell me. The last trip when she pointed out the hotel where she was sold at, I asked her permission to ask one question. Would you tell me why you were led to pray prevention? And she explained that the morning after she had been abused for the first time, as she looked out the window, she saw the children walking to school. And in that moment, she said, God, would you please use me to prevent these children from suffering this fate? And then I look at the, the, the school over there, and then I saw the children just running around and going to school normal. And I just want that's all I want. I want the kid to be normal, go to school. I don't want them to be on, in that hotel. I want to make this video to let the people know that I am not a 
living a life that a victim because the past is the past and it's already happened to me, it's happened. So I try to live a positive life and I have a good dad here. He loves me and he cares about people and he cares about all the children home and I'm so glad and I'm so happy. I know that there's a lot of people going through dark times in their life. What would you want to say to them? I want to say that uh, trust in God and because sometimes in life we go through difficult but sometimes that we should uh, remember that God is good and God is love and He's, He's with us so He heard us and He see us. I know that God can heal you and He can bring the light to your darkness. Because God always hears the cries. Satan would like to tell us that you're only one person. This problem is too big. What can you do about it? But think of the individual child who said, you did this and you changed the world for me. So we can do this one, one child at a time. And it will be a transforming generation for our kids. Let's pray. Father, we are beyond grateful for you hearing us when the reason for the cry is because we had took ourselves so far off the, the path that, that you created us for. But yet, as I think of my own children, and if they were in trouble and they were crying out, I would do anything to rescue them, to save them. And so when we cry out, Lord, for forgiveness, for salvation, for redemption, we know that you hear us. And even though it is not something we deserve, Jesus, to take on the cross for us is beyond anything we can say thank you for. May you, Lord, just as you heard our cry, may you give us a spirit with ears to hear that we may hear the cries of others. And just as you rescued us, that we would allow ourselves to be used to bring rescue to them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Go in love and peace to serve the world.